Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Faith and Justice Network, where we are seeking faith and learning justice because we believe the two belong together, that they lie at the very heart of what it means to follow Jesus. My name is Peter Choi, and I serve as director of the Faith and Justice Fellowship Program. And I'm Danielle Mayfield. I'm also going to be working with um, the fellow program this year. I'm so excited to be here. Peter and I are going to be doing this podcast kind of like co-hosts, right? Twice a month, Peter. And just to kind of help people get their, you know, get engaged in the curriculum and just to have some conversation partners in their ears. And today we are joined by Rihanna Shaw Robinson. That's me, and I'm super excited um, to be here. This is my very first podcast. Like, I feel like it's a welcome, thing, and I am really, I'm like, it's a. I'm like, have I arrived? I believe I've arrived because I'm doing a podcast. So, thank you so much for having me. I'm also going to be um, one of the teaching fellows for the Faith and Justice Fellowship, and really excited. Um, always excited. And I always actually come to the fellowship and actually a lot of conversations with expectations, um, trusting that we are going to be changed by our conversations, that we are going to meet God um, in ways that maybe we weren't expecting. Wow. You need to be on more podcasts. I already know this. You've said like two sentences. <laughs> mm. Amazing. Yeah, we're, okay. Tell your we're friends. so honored to be on the very first podcast that you've ever done. Um, I should know this is only my second, so we're both we're right, both novices here, and Danielle is kind of the the veteran in the room here. So she's the she's oh, the grown no. up, and she's going to guide oh, us along the way. No. I think. <laughs> well, it is so great to um, to be together. We're talking today in the waning days of summer, with September knocking on the door, and our first unit, which we're calling starting points, is a time for us to take stock of you know, where we're coming from, how we find ourselves, where we are today, and if possible, to try and get our bearings. And I've got to admit, I don't know if that last part is even possible. So maybe we can just start by talking about how are you doing today? What's on your heart? And how are you surviving this sad, chaotic time in our world? Yeah, I, I, I can go first. Uh, I'm just in a really, really difficult time. And it's kind of hard to talk about because of all the layers of difficulty but I just know that some people listening in are probably in a similar space I'm a mom with two kids who are not old enough to be vaccinated one of them has a lot of compounded anxiety from the past year and a half so that's you know in my actual home Um, some of my relatives currently have COVID right now due to um, being around unvaccinated people, you know, in their, in their Christian community. And that's pretty stressful. I'm very grateful. Uh, I bullied my parents into getting vaccinated. So they have a milder um, version of it, but that's really stressful right now. And I also um, work with, I, I used to work with refugees and resettling refugees in my city of Portland. And now I'm more just like a friend and neighbor, but a lot of my closest friends are Afghan and they are frantic with worry about family members. So I've spent the past few weeks trying to advocate for people um, in the, in Afghanistan who qualify, you know, to come over to the U S but are not able to be evacuated. So I wake up to multiple messages every day of, of really, really desperate people. And it's just, it's just heart, 
heart crushing to think about the compound waves of, of suffering and misery going on globally and then very locally. So I just felt like today I wanted to be like, you, you know, I grew up Christian, right? And so I always heard God will never give you more than you can handle. And I was like, I'd like to speak to the manager. Mm. <laughs> I've officially <laughs> have more than I can handle right now. And um, mm. yeah, but the, the cool thing is as my faith has shifted, it's like, um, God understands. God is with me in saying this is too much. This is not okay. This is this is not okay. So that's where I'm at mm-hmm. with my faith and my story and, and this season right now. And it's so I'm I'm grateful for your realness. I'm so grateful for your realness. I think unfortunately Christians try to sanitize a lot of things. And I was like, have you ever read the Psalms? Like, just ever. And sometimes in my interpretation, I'm like, yeah, I believe that they're just a lot of (laughs) F-bombs. And I believe that those are holy. And I believe that you see the psalmist getting so Mm. angry with God. It's not just like, I have too much. It's like, like, seriously, what are you doing? Are you asleep? And I think that we don't, we deny the holiness of approaching God with the mm-hmm. fullness of who we are, with our rage, with our exhaustion. When, you know, there's like moaning and groaning and F-bombs. Sometimes that's all you got. But those are the prayers that we offer. So I, I'm really grateful to you, Danielle, for naming um, the fullness of the heaviness. Um, I'm finding myself in a different space, um, almost on the sidelines. And really after what I would say is a really challenging 18 months. I'm like, I'm almost, I'm like, I'm too tired. Like I'm too tired to engage at the same levels that I may have been engaging in the past. So I'm almost looking at the, I feel like I'm on the sidelines and going, okay, my heart's a little too tender. I'm a little too empty. I'm a little too tired to show up the ways that I, that I sometimes feel guilty that I'm not, Um, and so I'm in a season after the challenge. I also, I have three kids, uh, four kids. Uh, the oldest is away in DC. She's an adult now. So that's why I forget about, I don't forget about her. She's great. I talked to her this morning. Um, my littlest are four-year-old twins who can't get vaccinated and who, you know, have gotten really accustomed to wearing masks to school. And on one hand, I'm so grateful that they don't fight against it. But on the other hand, I go, how is this just shaping you? What's going to happen when you're older that this is a formative part of your life, this crisis that we're living in? Um, And a 10-year-old boy with ADHD and anxiety who desperately needs to be at school, but we just got our first ping of a positive COVID test at the school. And so I don't know if you feel that moment, Danielle, as a mom. Um, Peter, you too, as a parent, where you're just like, I want to be honest that things are very hard and I'm actually a little sad and I'm a little overwhelmed and I actually want to be available to your joy and your laughter. And I don't want that to go away in this moment. So, um, so it's an interesting season. I'm, I'm currently doing a lot of somatic work and just acknowledging, um, all of the trauma and the wounds and the scar tissue that we just hold in our bodies. So going to 
get a chiropractor and getting some acupuncture and also recognizing the spectacular privilege it is that I could do those things and wishing for that um, for our siblings who are still struggling in so many places. Wow. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for being so open about where you are. I think this is really important because, you know, we're at the beginning of the new year, uh, a new academic year for so many people and then a new fellowship year. And it just feels like the worst possible time to be doing the kinds of things that we're all called upon to do. Um, we have three young boys. We have a high schooler, a middle schooler, and a fifth grader. And we have been going through the, the chaos and the tumult of trying to figure out, you know, uh, a, new, a new school year with new rhythms and diff very different start times, having to, to, um, to drive kids, some of the kids to school. And again, it just feels like such a hard time to be doing something like this, recording a podcast um, starting a new fellowship program, and at the same time, here is where we are. So as I think about some of the readings that we have uh, for this first unit, I'm struck by uh, just the, the timeliness and the, the good word that we're going to be hearing um, along the way. And so while on the one hand, I feel like, can we have another month? Um, on the other hand, it just feels good to, to be in community together. It's good to see your faces, to hear your voices, and to be in conversation. Yeah. Um, I think I just want to echo that with you, Peter. We're not meant to do the hard work of life alone. We're not meant to um, even, even to do it with our own families, like to be isolated in that. And the power of community for collective mourning and grief that I just, I so long for right now. I'm like, can we just get out the wailing folks? And can we just go and let it out? And can we call the healers in who make the food and who set the table and say, I know you're tired. Here's a snack. <laughs> go lie down. Here are these things. And then even in the midst of the hardship, maybe to dance a little bit, to play, to remember, um, that the grief and the mourning and the sadness and the pain is not, is not the only part of our story. And definitely, I don't think the end of our stories. Yeah, I just, I love everything about this because I am very much of the persuasion, you know, when, when bad things are happening in the world, like, that's what I fixate on. That's what I focus on, as if my anxiety and my worry could fix things, right? We know that doesn't actually <laughs> help. So I totally hear what you're saying, Peter, but I am so grateful for a chance to be in community with people um, to get me off of Twitter because I do a fair mm. bit of doom scrolling on there. And um, to be in a community where we can both grieve and explore some questions and I love how, Rihanna, you've already brought up the Psalms, right? The Psalms are the fullness of humanity. So if we can bring our anger and our silliness and our joy and our exhaustion and our sadness and our faith, because I still have faith. I mean, that's the thing that can also be hard mm. to explain to people um, in such intense times. It's like, yeah, I actually believe that God loves us and doesn't want the world to be like this. Um, and so I'm just really excited about the opportunity to bring my full self into this, into this year. And it's really powerful and sobering to, um, to be on this call and to hear you talking about the things that we read about in the headlines, um, the ways that that's impacted 
impacting people's lives, um, real lives, right? Real people. I mean, these are real stories and, and experiences, hard, tough, unbearable, seemingly impossible days that people are encountering on a, on a regular basis. And to remember that, um, that there are sources of wisdom, that there are sources of perspective that are available to us um, as a way to survive. I, I'm struck by, uh, again, both of you referencing the Psalter and the way that the Psalter begins. We're going to talk about this next month, but I think it's good to already start thinking about this. Psalm 1 is one of, the, one of my least favorite psalms because of how clean it is, how orderly it is, how, how binary and dualistic it is. It seems to promise blessings to those who are good, who meditate on God's word, and then curses, suffering on those who are far from God. And of course, what we know about the reality of the Psalter is that after that very um, tidy opening, everything falls apart almost right away. Almost immediately, we are plunged into the depth of lament and um, in very incorrect theological language. Um, Rihanna, you mentioned F-bombs. You, you probably find some of those throughout the Psalter. And um, yeah. I think mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a lot of them, the, actually. I mean, they're, they're, they're expressed differently, <laughs> but they express the same emotions, right? Or the same kinds of, very similar kinds of um, human suffering. And so, um, yeah, I think sort of helping us, helping one another uh, make this journey is going to be really helpful. Um, yeah. I'm also struck by, you know, we're going to be reading Barbara Brown Taylor's uh, An Altar in the World. And one of the things I'll just note quickly about the book, and then we want to talk about other things too, is uh, she says in the very intro of that book, uh, she has an encounter with someone. I think she's uh, a guest speaker at a church, and she's asking, well, what should I talk about? And the person says, ask this very pointed question. Well, talk about what is saving your life now? What is saving your life now? And for her, that was such a clarifying and refreshing and empowering question to think about. And then the book, of course, is a book about some might call it spiritual practices. I think she would prefer to call it, she does call it sort of a book, chapters on bodily practices that are really helping a person to find, and you mentioned somatic, I right, love it. Rihanna? But that bodily practices that are helping, mm-hmm. um, that can help us to find spiritual treasure. Um, and I, I think that's a good thing to think about for us at the beginning of this journey. Um, what is saving our life now so that we can continue uh, in this journey that we find ourselves in? Whew. That actually is making me feel a little bit teary, right? Because it is what is the grasp. And and I'm actually overwhelmed with just such gratitude for it. Um, my four-year-old's... Um, end up in my bed every single night. And it's usually pretty annoying. And they're so, they're hot and they kick. But there is something about looking at their sleeping faces and feeling their little baby snuffles, even though they're four on me, that what's saving my life is actually some responsibility that I love them so much that I want them to know how much God loves them. I want them to know that God 
because God loves them, they are empowered to change the world. And so it's these little children who I just see all of the potential. I see so much joy. I see a curiosity. Um, they gave me flowers the other day and I told them how happy I was. And they go, I said, and my son goes, mommy, will they be happy tears or will they be sad tears? And he understood that our tears could do all of that. So those little ones are dropping wisdom, reminding me of God's goodness and also kind of reminding me that I, that I have to keep going for them and for all I will say all of our babies. I, I will claim every baby everywhere. All of our babies um, that snuffle and need cuddles and need to be reminded of how much God loves them. Um, so that's that's what's doing it for me right now. Oh my gosh, Rihanna is bringing some Mother Mary energy into the podcast, and that's what I needed because I have kids, and it's hard. It's hard to keep showing up for them in the ways they need when I'm also, you know, okay, so I'll just be honest, Peter, when you brought up Barbara Brown Taylor and the what's saving your life right now, I had a kind of negative reaction at first because that can be used by people of privilege to sort of talk about self-care and all that stuff. And I'm like, what's saving my life right now? I I can't even think about that because there are literally people in Afghanistan who are messaging me saying... I can't go to the airport anymore. It's not safe. The Taliban like will not let anybody escape into a neighboring country. Like I I think the US government gave our names to the Taliban. Like what do I do? You know, like I have these messages. So I'm like how can I even think about what's saving my life right now when this is going on? And yet, when I take a step back, there are these same moments of my children grounding me in my reality and in my present moment. My son um, tried to play chess with himself yesterday. He's six. And um, he was just so excited that he won against himself. It was just like so hilarious and so cute. Or even something, this is kind of connected to the bigger picture, but, you know, President Biden gave um, an address yesterday where he quoted from the book of Isaiah, talking about like the U.S. military is going to retaliate against the Taliban and, and quoting Isaiah 6, you know, saying, here I am, Lord, like, who will go? I will go. I'm just like, first, I'm overwhelmed with anger. Then I take a step back and I think about what does the book of Isaiah really mean? Like, what is the book of Isaiah really about? And it's a book that's just so full of justice and so full of this beautiful vision of the earth where people who have been so oppressed by all these different empires fighting above them, taking control. It's always the women and children, right, who suffer the most. These are my friends, my Afghan friends I'm thinking of, the women and children. And and in the book of Isaiah, it says God's dream is that they would feast, you know, at the table of the Lord. And like, that's what Isaiah is about. And so it's what's so fascinating is coming growing up as a white evangelical and having a hard relationship with the Bible. I realized yesterday hearing my president misuse my holy <laughs> book really badly. <laughs> you know, I realized I love that yeah. book. And I love the God that it points to. Um, so sorry, that was a longer answer. <laughs> but I really like the book of Isaiah. That's something I rediscovered. So there we go. Well, I really appreciate you mentioning naming the discomfort that we ought to feel about the relative privilege we have in relation to the rest of the world. Um, and at the same time, the inescapable reality that there are people 
in our lives that we are called to love. Literally people in our lives that we are called to feed, um, clothe, shelter, and, and, and uh, live life alongside of them. And, and I think that's the challenge right now, is how do we do all of these things? How do we absorb uh, and listen to and keep um, up to date on the things that we want to be, un- be understanding about what's happening in the world and at the same time be present in our own lives? Mm-hmm. That's hard. And I think the prayer that I've been praying a lot over the past two years um, of feeling the avalanche right, of the social things, of personal things, of family things, of COVID, of all of these. I say, okay, God, what is mine to hold? And what is not mine to hold? Can you make it really clear? (laughs) Because I want to, I, if I could, I'd be like, let me, I'll just take all the babies. Like, let everybody come and live in my house. We can figure it out. Let's do this. Let's fix all of the things. Let me spend all of my energy and open my heart to be totally broken And then I'm depleted and there's like nothing left for anyone. Um, And so that is a prayer that I just keep holding. What's mine? Who are, who are the people that you are calling me to show up for and to love? And where are you calling me to trust you, even though you're kind of making me angry and I have some questions to be doing the work, to be bringing about the world that you actually promised. That's the other part of the songs that I love holding God accountable. You said you were like this. You said you were going to do this. Are you paying attention? And I think that there are these beautiful moments where God's like, yep, I am. And I actually need you to let that go so that I can do the work that I've been working on. You're just like, oh, I thought I was supposed to fix it. So I just, I think that those are the places that I, that I'm just really holding. What is mine to hold? What is mine to let go of? Where do I need to be asking for some help? Where do I need to accept my own limitations? Um, And remember that I'm not God. Um, So, yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Uh, I also wonder if I need to incorporate that into my prayer routine. Just have a little space to hold God accountable and then have a little space to say, now (laughs) I'm going to give it up to you and you can tell me what's mine to hold that was really helpful thank you so much for articulating that a friend of mine she said her prayer regularly f-bomb fix it jesus and that is it and i was like i feel like that just captures a lot oh my gosh you need to write a book called that i don't know f-bomb fix it jesus (laughs) it would sound like it really would honestly it really would and I would definitely say it was inspired by the songs. Like, and so then that would be the that'd be the colon. <laughs> no, there's there's a lot of wisdom in that in that liturgical order of expressing complaint and then also expressing a desire for God's help, yeah. right? For God to intervene. Well, with that, let's turn to Patrick Otuma, his book in the shelter. And there's two pieces that we're reading from the opening of that book. But the one that um, I think is really striking for our purposes here today is, um, is called Hello to Here. It just strikes me that we, we're all coming from such different starting points. Uh, the three of us here on this call are, are experiencing life very differently. 
And I would imagine that for the folks in the in the fellowship too, that there's so many different experiences, so many different backgrounds, so many different questions we're trying to solve, and then also so many different things we're trying to save ourselves from. And so, yeah, are, are there things that are striking to you from from that book and from Padraig's words? Yeah, as as Rihanna was talking, I was thinking about just the wisdom, you know, already presented just about getting in our bodies, you know, somatic healing, all of this. And so Padraig, he starts off his book with this chapter called Hello to Here, and it's kind of grounding you in the present. And I have a really quick story to tell about this book in the shelter. Um, I was at Powell's City of Books, which is this incredible bookstore in Portland, Oregon. And I just saw this book on the shelf. This is a few years ago called In the Shelter. I picked it up off of the shelf, started reading it, and I started weeping. I gave it to my husband who was with me browsing. I told him to read this part of the book and he started crying. Oh, wow. So we bought the book and we were like poor at that time. So buying like a new hardcover book was like a big deal. We bought it, brought it home. My friend was over, picked the book off of our shelves, started reading and she burst into tears. Like, and I was like, something's going on here. We all come out of like very fundamentalist white evangelicalism. So there's something in his, his first chapter in particular that unlocked something in us. Um, so I can't even remember what it was about it, but just to have three people really quickly have that experience. I was like, okay, something's here. But for today, I wanted just to read a tiny portion um, from the first chapter, Hello to Hear, that is about testimony because um, as the world is so wild right now, as so much is going on, we're all trying to get our bearings. Um, and as we're people of faith trying to envision a future where we continue to be people of faith in this really you know, messed up world, this idea of testimony really stood out to me. So I'm just going to read a really quick section and then I'd, I'd love to hear you guys if you want to chime in about it. Okay. So Patrick says, in many circles of faith or spirituality, there is a generous time given to the testimony, the telling of the story of conversion or reconversion of enlightenment or change. It is a moving thing to listen to the testimony, but testimony, if told or heard unwisely, can be a colonization of a single experience into a universal requirement. Jesus fed me when I was hungry, we hear, and those who are hungry feel bereft. Jesus healed me when I was sick, say the healthy, and the burdened feel more burdened. Meditation cured me of depression, say some, and others make plans to hide the Prozac. Upon whom is the burden of words? I don't know. I don't think there is an answer. I cannot dampen gladness because it will burden the unglad. But I cannot proclaim gladness as a promise that will only shackle the already bound. Faith shelters some, and it shadows others. It loosens some, and it binds others. Is this a judgment of the message or the messenger, the one praying or the prayer prayed? I don't know. Hello to what we do not know. Yep. I think sometimes you just got to sit with it for a minute. Um, and I think... For me, what it ref it makes me reflect on, right? We all have our testimonies, right? We all have our places where we're like, yeah, no, God really just showed up for me. And I don't know how that happened. Um, and I think about, I, I do think about the times that I felt like God didn't show up. And it was like, okay, what's going on? But um, my aunt is an incredibly faithful person. 
Um, and she is coming from a very different place than me, like navigating generational poverty, all of these things. Um, a lot of loss and her like 22 year old son recently died in his sleep. And she had a testimony for me and it was not like everything's going to be fine. Like I, I didn't hear any of that from her, but I heard, and I know that God still loves me. And so I think it's that it's, it's not like um, when your testimony is not the story of winning, right? I won. And I think sometimes we want to do that like bootstrappy kind of thing. Look, I won. God, God just gave me a little boost and I made it to the next thing. But the testimony of like God's present. And that's like, that's what I'm clinging to. God does keep showing up for me, even though things are not fixed. And so for someone, I think I'm actually, I'm really inspired, convicted um, by the faith of folks who are living in more marginalized situations that don't invite me to look at God as the, the fairy godmother, the Santa Claus, but a reminder of like the active pursuit and the deep knowing that God cares Um so yeah, thanks for, for reading that passage. I think it's going to settle. And I'm, and I'm also feeling a little full of the holy tears and the power of the holy tears that some, I love these. It's something's going on. And sometimes you're like, my brain doesn't know. My heart doesn't know. My body knows um, that tears are right for this moment. Yeah. And I think the power in Patrick's first few chapters is kind of, acclimating the reader to this refrain, hello to here, hello to here, hello mm -hmm. to right where you are, hello to what we don't know. And it's really interesting. I think there's probably some unspoken things within people raised Christian, some unspoken tension we have to being completely honest with God and with others. And so I think Patrick's really trying to say like, the best testimonies are going to be the honest ones. And if you've been hiding some of your sadness, some of your anger at God, if you've only been vocal about certain kinds of testimonies um it's all gonna catch up to you mm -hmm. and so it's to me i just see it as this incredible inv invitation to be honest i think that's where some of my tears came from is to say the ways we have treated god and the ways i've been told if i just live the right life i will be protected like that has wounded me you know it has hurt me and yeah so i just think it's it's powerful we don't have to be afraid of even his reminder that sometimes these stories of miraculous things can wound other people. I don't think we need to be afraid of that. We just need to be aware of how we're being invited into, you know, the only way to really be in relationship with someone is to be yourself. And that goes for God too. <laughs> and, and your faith. And I think, um, Danielle, I'm glad that you named kind of your position of testimony, right? Like coming from kind of a white evangelical spaces. And in black churches, testimony feels really different. Um, and it is kind of coming from that place of like, no, 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 this is straight up deliverance. And I think, and so how do you find that place, right? Where if people are like, oh, well, I'm just going to get this next thing. I'm striving for something. Then there is like, oh, well, I didn't get that. But in a community where everybody is suffering and everybody is struggling when someone's like, hey, God showed up. People are like, one, we will celebrate with you. Like, this is not a 
competition. We're excited for you. We praise God for you because we've been praying for you. We've been holding you up. And sometimes God showed up because we passed the plate and we paid your rent for that day. But also this, um, the power of telling and, and listening someone into, like, I hear all of it. And, um, so that's just the other thing that I'm thinking about the way that testimony shows up in different places and what it points to. Does it point to an achievement unlocked or does it point to the ongoing relationship and honesty? Um, and meant to not be a look, I made it, but more of an encouragement. Like we can hold on together. Like I'm still here with you and I want to hear what you have to say. I love that so much. Anything else about this moment? Where we are, because um, where we are is the starting point of the journey ahead. Anything else about where we are that, um, that you want to comment or re reflect on? Well, I'll just say that I remember when I started the, the fellowship year a few years ago, I felt really nervous and really scared that I was not the right person to be in the program. I didn't know enough. I was coming out of conservative Christianity and I just felt like, you know, I, the, the fire hose of what I need to unlearn is, you know, is, is massive. And it ended up just being such an incredibly supportive and generous place and lots of hard learning happened, but also really, um, you know, generous friendships. And uh, my mind just came alive with some of the readings and the the chance to get to discuss them with people where I didn't have to argue <laughs> all the time. Right. And um, it was just, it was so much more restorative and, and dare I say relaxing than I thought it was going to be. And so I just want to maybe if people have a lot of anxiety, one more thing to have on their plate in this tumultuous year, like let's just trust that, uh, you know, hello to here. You are in this program. This is where we're at. These are the things we're going to read. And um, we're just going to say hello to that and bring our full selves. And it's it's going to be restorative. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't make a declarative like that. But I'm, I'm really, I really sense and trust um, just the people in this program and the curriculum and the, the leaders, all that. I can just sense um, this really needed restoration for my life to be a part of this. So. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with you, Danielle. I think... Um... I was so blessed. I've only been a part of the fellowship for one year and was so blessed by just the profound wisdom. And I think the invitation to do, I don't know what Bible scholars and people of faith have been doing forever, which is being in community and asking questions and showing up with the fullness of themselves and learning more and being open to God's surprises. And so I would just say, you know, there's a lot of really painful things happening in the world right now. And I think that there is always a gift in the apocalypse and the uncovering where we start to get real. We can't hide. We speak truth. And I see, especially with a lot of people of color that I'm seeing right now, I'm seeing a lot of people saying, we will not hide. We will not be silenced. And I also see that from folks who are Christian and saying, you will not take my faith, <laughs> you know, right wing folks. We will demand and we will hold it and we will wrestle with it and we will create something new. 
maybe not even new. Maybe we'll create something old, um, a following Jesus. Crazy idea, I know, for so many people. Um, so I, I, I think, like I said, I'm coming with great expectation of the surprises and the joy and the restoration and the play and the holy tears and the holy F-bombs and the, the holy wrestling. And that may not come up with our right answers but will definitely lead um, to some blessings for us and uh, for the communities that we love. Those are such great words of encouragement. I think the invitation is to be present to the fullness of the moment right now. I mean, I think at the start of today, I was thinking I would love to have one less thing to do today. And on the other hand, it's been so good to just be in conversation with you. It's been such a restful place. And I hope that's the experience for um, the participants, the fellows as well, is, you know, you can show up as you are. You can show up with your questions, with your unresolved, lingering doubts and, um, and challenges that you have in your life, burdens. And this is a place for us to be together in community as we wrestle with some really difficult questions, but also delightful insights along the way. You know, at the beginning of our conversation, as we were just kind of um, chatting, we were talking about one of the poems that Padraig uses. And I wonder, Rihanna, would you mind reading that for us? I know we have it all open in front of us. I think this might be a great way to close our, our time together is just to, to hear these words as an invitation to be present, to hear. And this is um, a poem from David Wagoner um, called Lost. Stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here, and you must treat it as a powerful stranger. Yeah. You know, on the one hand, I just want to leave it there. And on the other hand, Padraig's words reflecting on this poem are just so powerful. I want to read a few sentences. The truth of this poem is an old truth. There are the places you wish to go. There are the places you desperately wish you never left. There are the places you imagine you should be. And there is the place called here. In the world of Wagoner's poem, it is the rooted things, trees and bushes, that tell the truth to the person who is lost the person with legs and fear, who wishes to be elsewhere. The person must stand still, feel their body still on the ground where they are in order to learn the wisdom. This is not easy wisdom. It is frightening wisdom. Well, it's been great talking with you and reflecting on what it means to be here in this moment as different, as contradictory, as painfully traumatic and tragic as they are for different ones of us across the world. Uh, but it's also just been good to, to be among friends and to, and to hear your reflections on the moment we find ourselves in. I like the podcasting. Thank you for inviting me. I, I look forward to doing it again. This is a thing. I get why people want to talk with friends, with colleagues, and do the work of listening 
and of sharing and of honoring. So thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, it's your first, but it won't be your last. <laughs> we'll make sure of it.